Hi again, everybody. Welcome to Radio MVP, episode number 127 of the sports podcast. And we have a jam-packed podcast for you. Let's put it this way. Craziness all around the world, and especially in our home uh, country right now. And uh, enough said in that. And let's talk sports. Uh, I, I'm still shaking my head of what, what has happened, what has transpired over the last... Uh, 72 hours, uh, to say the least. Uh, I'm still wrapping my head around it, to be honest with you. And I think many, many people are. I want to talk sports. I really, truly do. But, you know, a major incidents like that, sometimes you just can't get it out of your head. But I'm going to give it my best shot. And with that, let me bring in my good friend, Anthony Kepley. Yeah, it's nice to be back with, uh, with what seems to be... Uh... All hell is broken loose. We thought 2021 was going to be the start of something new, something fresh, something better. And I guess uh, it, the old saying goes, it's got to get worse before it gets better. Well, uh, hopefully that was rock bottom. Hopefully that is the ground floor. Um, but like you said, Tim, it's been an interesting week also, um, sports-wise as well as uh, the Indians' window. Um Although we knew as fans was probably closed, uh, that slammed shut yesterday with the news of uh, Francisco Lindor and uh, Carlos Carrasco being dealt to the team that you called back in July or early August uh, before the Mets had even thought about the new ownership situation. You called it, Tim. Yeah, well, once I knew he was going to buy, Cohen was going to buy the team that he would spend the money necessary to make them competitive right away. Yep. And they went out and signed a catcher McCann, which was a mm. pretty good move. Solid nice move. move. Yeah. Solid baseball move. And then uh, you look at what was available, what stars were available. And there was going to be stars available because of the pandemic mm-hmm. and Cleveland was looking to share every ounce of uh, dollars that they had on their payroll. And they did. Uh, I mean, they took $40 million off their payroll. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they gave away their most experienced uh, starting pitcher in the process. So. Yeah. On the upswing of the Indians, and I will say this, and this may sound crazy, even though this is more like the Tampa Bay Rays or the Pittsburgh Pirates, and but I believe they're more like the Rays than they are the Pirates. Yes. And let, let, let me go into that a little bit before we talk about the actual trade. I always, in the last 10 years, thought the Tampa Rays are probably, to give it a a comparison, uh, they are Major League Baseball's version of a team in the Premier League uh, and other leagues in Europe. What I mean by that is they don't make trades player for player Mm -hmm. in Europe. They they sell contracts and mm-hmm. players availability and that co- that player then signs a major contract with it, that bought their rights. Uh, it's kind of like old school, kind of what we've seen years ago uh, with uh, uh, the players coming out of Japan. Uh, there was, you know, you had to pay the team X amount of money just to negotiate. And then once you sign a team, that player, you got them, you know, and um, you know, major league baseball has kind of changed that rule a little bit since they redefined mm-hmm. it. Where they don't have to pay hundreds of millions of dollars in, in fees like they did uh, uh, in the past, but it's kind of a similar scenario. Now, in Europe, a lot of the teams, even the smaller teams in the Premier League, 
they develop players, but one of the ways that that organization survives is on that money. Mm -hmm. And the Tampa Bay Rays have been very good at getting players to a certain level and then really trading them up mm -hmm. um, for better players or for younger players that they again can do the same thing over and over. And that's what I mean. I think they're the best Premier League team in Major League Baseball. Uh, it's money ball in a different variety, a different version. Uh, they're very good at it. Obviously, the Oakland A's have been doing it for many years and been very successful. A little different attitude mm -hmm. towards it, but they're primarily built the same way. Uh, obviously, the, the Pirates went through their up and down, and now they're hopefully for their fans and, and for their organization, even though it's a new organization again, uh, will be on an upswing soon. The Indians, I, you know, the players they got in return, the four players they got in return, interesting. Uh, obviously, yeah. you got a potential up-the-middle battery to replace the two that you're going to lose this year. Uh, you got an outfielder, you know, going to be developed. You got a pitcher going to be developed. Um, time will tell how, how successful or unsuccessful this trade was for the Indians. And uh, knowing the track record of the Cleveland Indians and in making long-term trades, they're pretty, pretty successful. I mean, Carlos Carrasco was one of those players. You know, that what goes back to the, the lead trade to mm -hmm. Philadelphia 12 years ago, for Christ's sake. Um, I mean, it's phenomenal that, you know, you look at Carlos Carrasco and the time that he spent in Cleveland, I think, what, 2009, I think he first came up yeah. with the Indians. So, I mean, phenomenal. Um, I mean, return on value was there. And he was the best return on value in that trade. Michael Brantley was the best return on value on trade in, in the CC Sabathia trade. Yes. So the and he was the player to be named later in that. Yes, trade. he was. So a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah. So I mean, they targeted certain players. Now, I remember when Carlos Carrasco was traded to the Indians, everyone was upset because mm -hmm. he was not listed as their number one player in their organization at the time, and we're giving up a Cy Young uh, pitcher who went mm -hmm. on to dominate for yes. Philadelphia and a couple other teams trying to make the World Series. We went back-to-back -back World Series with two different teams, with Philadelphia and the Rangers. So, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, when we got rid of Cliff Lee, he was at the pinnacle of his career. Yes, he was. And uh, he went on to have, you know, five five or six more quality seasons. Probably about four or five, truth of the matter. Yes. But, but um, you know, the Indians got their return of value. So I'm banking on the Indians' ability to recognize what players to get. And hopefully we're going to have, look, you're not going to replace a potential Hall of Famer in, in Lindor. You can't do it. And, and the character value and a starting picture value of Carrasco, shit, um, you're going to fill that. There's no way. Yeah. Now, the Indians do have young pitching coming up and through the system that they believe in and they want to give that opportunity. And I'll say it again over and over again, and I'll say it every year. We, you know, Terry Francona is supposed to be back this year, and hopefully he's healthy and he can manage the entire season. I'll take him in my dugout, him managing young players and putting this team in the right position to win. We'll see what happens. I mean, it may be a tough year. It may not be. Uh, I'm, I'm lukewarm on it. You know, I was, I knew last year, even in the pandemic, that this was the last season for, for, for Lindor. Mm -hmm. uh, did not see that for Carlos Carrasco because no. going into the season, the Indians already had signed him the previous year to, to an extension and that, 
And it looked like they were going to build around him. And then the pandemic hit. And then, you know, uh, the Indians lost their investor in Sherman, who went to buy the uh, Kansas City Royals. So they don't have that extra uh, money, money bag yeah. to help them out. And you can see where they're at. So they shredded, you know, contracts. So right or wrong, that's baseball today. You have the haves and the have-nots. That's why I keep saying your window of opportunity is so small in baseball for a small market team, you can't miss. That's what was frustrating about the Pirates. When the Pirates were really good about four or five years ago, yeah. they couldn't get past the wild card round. No, they couldn't. And it crushed them. The first year they got to the playoffs, they did. Every mm-hmm. year after that, they could not get past that one-game playoff. And it crushed the fans. And it crushed the organization because that was extra money. They never revenues that they were never able to get. And that hurt the Indians uh, losing in the mm-hmm. first round a few years after the 2016 World Series run. So uh, we'll see. I hate saying it that way. Uh, but, you know, getting back to the Mets, uh, the Mets made a great trade. I mean, you get a starting pitcher, you get a all-star shortstop you get lead off bat third bat fifth whatever you want to put them in that lineup you're probably going to add george springer to that lineup and as a free agent they are on their way uh to being a very successful organization and uh, when you have a multi-billionaire in steve cohen who wants to win yeah i i said it from the very beginning whoever uh lands that job and they brought you know alderson back uh, yeah, he's just going to he's going to be like a kid in a candy store. He's just going to be picking here, picking there, doing this, doing that and really putting a quality team together year in and year out. It's going to be George Steinbrenner on steroids uh, for the Mets. And um, got, if you're a Met fan, you got to be excited. The only thing that scares me, Anthony, and this is bringing up bad memories. The last time the Indians made a trade with the with the Mets, they really screwed it up big time and a big time trade. That's when they sent Ellie, Robbie Alomar yeah. uh, to the Mets, and they got absolutely nothing in return. And uh, now Robbie was on the downside of his career. We did not know it at the time. Um, you know, three years later, he ended up retiring from baseball. So mm-hmm. it tells you everything you need to know. Um, you know, maybe the Indians made the right move, just didn't get value back for him, though he was coming off an all-star year. And, and of course, you can go back a few years ago, with the trade with the Mets where they got the outfielder, you know, and that was huge for that, you know, the 2017 season. For the most part, uh, I think uh, when people talk about blockbuster trades with the Mets, they're going to talk about Robbie Alomar going there from the Indians and, of course, Lindor going. So uh, we'll see where it lands. But I'm, I'm disappointed to see a superstar leave. I understand why it happened. I don't have to like it. But – as a baseball guy, I want to see exactly if any of these players can pan out. And I'm banking on the Indians organization's track record to come through. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we all knew Lindor was gone. That was, that was pretty much set in stone after 2018. We all, you know, if you go back and listen to our podcast in 2018, we were touching on it that, the, you know, it was just a matter of time. It was when, not if, uh, the Indians were going to move on from Lindor. Um, so I, I, I'm okay with the Lindor trade. I, we expected that. We knew it was coming. Uh, the one that, you know, kind of doesn't right with me is the Carrasco, and that to me was just a salary dump. It you was. Know, like you said, they dumped. You know, that was forty million dollars off the books, um, and now they're 
I believe what they have the slowest or second lowest payroll in baseball now. Yeah, um, I mean, who knows where they'll go from here? But you know, yeah, you look at um, you know you're losing a leader in Carrasco, you're losing arguably your number two starter in Carrasco, and you're losing a guy that when healthy um, and has pitched in the playoffs, man, he's pitched his butt off and he's given you seven, eight really good innings almost every time out in the playoffs. So that's going to hurt. That, that will obviously hurt. Um, As far as what they got in return, I like Rosario. He's a nice player. He's not, you know, he's not bad. Um, Look, we got spoiled the last five, six, you know, five years of Lindor. So we can't have a shortstop pit, you know, 335 home runs every year. But Rosario's a nice player, nice defensive glove guy. Um, Jimenez this year came up and made his debut. Uh, so we'll see. I know we hate saying this term, but with every trade in baseball, it's wait and see. You don't know. Yeah. You know, like you talked about, uh, Matt Laporta was the guy the Indians wanted so bad for Milwaukee. Matt Laporta was awful for the Indians. You know, um, you talked about the uh, Cliff Lee trade. People are like, Carlos who? And now we're sitting back looking on it 11 years later, and it's like, damn, he was really – you know, after he had that little blip, went down to AAA, uh, fixed his delivery, and came back up, he's been dynamite for the Indians. So I agree with you, Tim. Wait and see. I would have liked to seen the Indians get a major league outfielder and then throw in some other prospects after that. But we all knew – uh, we weren't going to get the return that we had wanted because his contract's up after next year. Um, so, unfortunately, a lot of people hate this thing, but it's wait and see with trade. We have no idea how it's going to pan out. We just don't – we don't know. It's not fun. It's not fun when you don't have something exciting to talk about. No. It's, no, it's, it's not. It's not. It's as a baseball guy, as a baseball fan and, and someone who watches and you know, like yourself, a season ticket yeah. holder, it's no fun – thinking that next year when you opening day when you attend anthony Mm -hmm. other than your catcher and your third baseman your entire infield will be different yeah and chances are two-thirds of your outfield will be different i mean that's just the reality yeah it's gonna be a whole new team next year yeah and you know hopefully everything will turn out that you know fans will return and people will be able to enjoy Baseball the way it's supposed to be. And I mean, that's a few months from now. And my and my prediction still stands that they should delay the season one month uh, before they can open the season properly and have fans there. Uh, we'll see what it looks like come uh, end of February, 1st of March, when they uh, go out to Arizona. But, you know, I think in the end that even that hasn't been set in stone. So... I won't be surprised if it's delayed uh, 30 days simply because there's no reason to play the game. So you can't have the fans. In. Last, exactly year was a totally right. di- last year was a totally different scenario. It seems like the Indians and the pirates and whoever uh, they need that extra revenue. Uh, You're I used exactly to tell right. you about, but I mean, last year was such a, a unique scenario with only a 60 game schedule and the whole thing. So you didn't get the TV money that you normally get. You didn't get, you know, uh, half the, uh, the, you only had a third of the games basically played all season, a little over a third. So, I mean, it was unfortunate. Um, and, uh, you know, if someone, if they come up with a 162 game schedule in 
starts on May 1st, they could do that. Uh, they have to make some adjustments to do it, but they could do it. Uh, I would rather just see, you know, 145, 150 games schedule and go with it. I mean, the year in 95, uh, 144 game mm-hmm. schedule, and we still had a hundred game winning team yeah. in the Indians that year. So, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be heartbreaking. You're going to have great memories of Lindor though, in the playoffs, especially the 2016 mm-hmm. run, uh, great memories of the 22 game winning streak, uh, just his smile and his, you know, thing, but yeah, he's going to sign probably a $300 million 10 year contract with the Mets because the money's going to be there. Steve Cohen's going to pay him. And there's no reason. I don't see him even probably before the start of the season, having that contract. This is Mookie Betts all over again. When Boston, I agree with you. Mookie Betts, they traded him to the Dodgers. And what's the Dodgers? First thing they did is they locked found the number. Yeah. Locked him up. And I think the same thing will happen to Lindor. Maybe it won't be 10 years, maybe be eight years. Who knows? Who cares? Uh, he's a Met. And, yeah. uh, you know, like I said, Steve Cohen got his guy. And uh, we'll see where the Mets go from here. But, yeah, they have a, a really exciting future in front of them. I tell you what, you, you want to talk about an exciting, you know, team. That offense, Alonzo, McNeil, and Lindor, and you talked on it, the leaders and the favorites to go land George Springer. Um, you know, but let's not for and McCann. McCann's a hell of a player. He he hit 300 last year. Oh, and um, more than that, he's 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 a competent catcher. He can he knows how to run and put. He's a veteran. Staff. He knows how to run a pitching staff. I mean, he's the guy who Carlos Carrasco is going to have a good relationship with. I don't imagine he won't. Um, you know, and and the rest of that. I mean, Degrom and oh, and, that rotation's you know, loaded oh, now. Oh. Garden, DeGrom and Carrasco, and don't forget about Marcus Stroman, too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're going up against, you know. Um, you know who would be a perfect fit for them? I hate saying this, is Brad Hand. You're not wrong, Tim. The Mets need bullpen help, too. Yeah. That bullpen was a mess last year. Yeah. I mean, I won't be surprised. Brad Hand will probably be the next big guy off the, off the free agent board because being a left-handed closer – you could, you know, if you have already a closer, he's shown when he worked with yep. the Indians before that he could do it. You know, being an eighth, ninth inning guy or seventh, eighth, ninth inning yep. type, uh, middle of the game type closer. But I honestly think he'll be, uh, I, I expect him to be coming off the board sooner than later. I put it that way. I could be wrong. Baseball's weird when it, in the offseason anymore. It's not like it used to be where you can make these predictions and hell, they would all be signed by now. And then you're in the second yeah, and third is, level. And now um, you're still waiting for the first level th- to go. So who knows? I mean, I'm not going to sit here and make uh, predictions. but Well, I do. But my point <laughs> is uh, we'll just have to wait and see. It's going to be, uh, you know, it's funny. Yesterday I actually wore my new Indians quarter zip that I got. And uh, I'm thinking, man, it's 50. It was like 54, 55 days for spring training. And now it's like, well. Maybe 80. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe 80 and that's okay. You know, maybe it, at this point we'll take 80 and it's a sucker. You know, it, we all knew it was coming. You know, we've been Indians fans long enough. Right. But um, it's never easy or never fun, like you mentioned, to see your window close. You know, because yeah. this was a really good window. It was a lot of fun. You know, it started in 16 um, and then 17 was a incredible 18, they weren't as good, 
but they battled and they gritted and they and they still made the playoffs. Um, and then 19, an off year, won 93 games. And this past year was weird and funky, but it was still some fun. And uh, now well, it slammed shut. And we'll have the- to wait. You know, four or five more years, probably. Yeah, it's crazy as it sounds not to win a, a world championship in that time, but uh, you came close in uh, in 16 and 17. You got upset, and uh, I think I read a stat. I mean, it's been out there for last year or two. The Indians won more games in Francona. Yes, we did. Era. Yes, so, we did. Not a surprise. Like I said, um, yeah. But I'll be honest with you, Anthony, and this is going to be interesting to see, and I'm curious long-term for the Indians. If, if the Dolans don't find a partner like Sherman, like they had a few years ago, he was really a key to the Indians. Yes, being he was. Successful. He was in the background. No one talked about him, but he's the one that stepped up to make sure they had money for certain players and for that they could be competitive. And he learned a lot in his short time as a minority owner. And I guess there was talk that he may become the majority owner. Yes, you're right. And, of course, the hometown team came available. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hey, you got you're a billionaire, it. you go get yeah. it. And he did. And God bless him. Good luck. And uh, they're going to be competitive over in Kansas City in time. Yes, they are. But the division's going to change. You don't stay on top in baseball forever. No. Unless you have a billionaire owner who's willing to spend millions of dollars and is not worried about it. And you're in a big market where you can a lot of that money anyways. And let's face it. Uh, that's just the way it works. I mean, there's a reason why Houston and Los Angeles and New York are always on Boston are always on the top. I mean, Boston's on the way down a little bit, but they're going to come back. Uh, they might be down a year or two at the max and they'll be back up because of the, uh, the payroll that they can put out there. Uh, they're, they're trying to get their finances straightened out. You know, they started last year, letting go Mookie Betts and that, uh, once another player or two comes off that board for them, they'll be able to make the moves they want to get back into the American League East. That's why the Rays window is short. And, you know, they made decisions that they thought were best for trading their best pitcher and, and that this offseason. But they got a lot of return from San Diego. So, I mean, I, I, we're not here to talk all baseball, but that just shows you, you know, how baseball works. And, and it looks like, look what San Diego's done in the last few years. Uh, and you can see how much they want to compete. And they're playing against the Dodgers, so they have to spend the money. They have to find a way to get it. And give them credit. They are not. They didn't wait. You know, once they signed uh, their major player to build around, they've, they've gone out of the way to build around it. And that's the way it works. And the Indians have to uh, find their new player to build around. I mean, they built this team around Lindor and uh, Ramirez. You think Ramirez, it's Jose, yeah. Ramirez now? Yeah. Yeah. And Jose could be the next guy out the, out the I door. Think, I think him and Bieber are going to be the next two. It's very well possible. We'll find out if they can sign Bieber long-term um, in the next year. Uh, otherwise, this is 21, 23, he'll be traded. You know? Yeah, it's, it, it's you know, like we talked about at the beginning, it's going to get worse before it gets better, and it's going to be um, some bleak years. But as we've seen with Antonetti and Chernoff, um, Every time they've had to do a rebuild, they've done it pretty well in the sense that it's given you four or five really fun years. So as painful and ugly as it's going to be in the next couple of years, uh, there's going to be a window again. And, um, you know, who knows? Maybe yeah. Isaiah Green and um, 
Andres Jimenez are going to be the two guys that we look back on as the uh, a building block to the next run. It's, it's, it's what makes being a t- fan of a small market team a lot of fun, but also very frustrating. So, yeah, a lot of anguish along, along yeah. the way. There's no question but, about it. But when we kick that door down and finally win that 11th postseason game, Sam, it's going to make all that sweeter. Let's hope and pray. Speaking of uh, a team ready to kick the door down, I th- uh, somebody go check on Dabo Sweeney's teeth. because I think they're still uh, splattered across the Superdome floor. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Uh, uh, not a what surprise. What was that? That was a, a a team that wanted to make a statement. And that oh was a God. team who was um, tired of hearing all the naysayers. And mm-hmm. look, 20, this year has been weird. They lost three games to COVID and yep. really none of them were there no. doing. There was an opponent scenario. We knew this was going to happen to some team. It happened to Ohio State. Exactly. Monday night is going to be interesting. I'll say right at the bat, Alabama is the better team uh, on paper. But we'll see what happens Monday night. And uh, I got a little story to talk about that, too, here. Yeah, I was, you know, we talked about um, how this was going to define this game or this two-game stretch. Fair or not fair was going to be the defining moment of Justin Fields' career. And I don't, I don't have words to what that was a complete coaching mismatch at every level. And then Justin Fields was just phenomenal. And then, you know, to take a shot like that in the ribs and kidneys and to miss one play and come back and just look. And I know he wasn't pain beyond belief, but to come in and throw a strike on the run in the corner of the end zone, that's why I turned to my dad and said, this game's over. And this game's over. And Justin Field has put his name in the record books, not just literally at Ohio State, but he has put himself into that realm of uh, superstars that people will always remember yep. at Ohio State. And you know, he'll never have to work a day in his life again. No matter whatever happens, he can return to Columbus and find thousands of PR type jobs. That's right. Uh, and, and, you know, that's just like you know, Jones, who won the national title yeah. and beat Alabama. Uh, you know, a talented young quarterback who probably had bad advice along the way and probably will never be back in the NFL. But again, he'll never have to work a day in his life. As long as he wants to live in Columbus and, oh. you know, and that's just the way it works. And uh, when you're a hero, you're a hero. And uh, this Alabama game is going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, that's a very, very ridiculously talented. They're team. fast, aren't they? Oh my God. And it's just so talented. I mean, you got to give credit where credit is due. They have it across the board. Ohio State's talented too. Don't get me wrong. I think Ohio State's more talented than people give credit for. Um I'm going to go back to the same thing we talked about last week. If Ohio State kind of do what they did to Alabama a few years back, punch them in the face right away, take control exactly. of the game, uh, they're going to be they're going to have that opportunity to win this game, and it's going to be difficult. I mean, turnovers won't be a big big story of the game. If Ohio State can create turnovers and turn them into points, they're going to be in great shape. If Alabama does that against Ohio State, Ohio State's going to be really really uh, battling. Uh, paddling up upstream. It's just the way it works. And 
I think that's really going to be the key to the game is who can create turnovers and turn them into points right away. And hopefully for Buckeye fans and, and uh, for college football fans across the nation, and then we all know they're more Buckeye fans than yep. fans. We already know that. It's the number one college in the world. So, um, yeah, uh, I'm showing a little bias there. Of course I am. But in the same van, telling the truth, there is just more Buckeye fans in the world than there is any other fans. It's the truth. Biggest school in the nation. <laughs> it goes with that saying. You, um, look at, you look at these two teams, um, and as dominant as Alabama has been, and they've been really good, and they light up the scoreboard offensively, that defense can be ran upon and it can be scored upon. Um, maybe not as easily as Clemson, but that Alabama back end of the defense, you know, they gave up 600 yards to Ole Miss. You know, that's an interesting point. And if, if the wideouts for Ohio State, which are underrated, do get behind the defense and Bill does deliver the ball like he did against Clemson, then yeah. You can see those 50, 60, 70 yard touchdown plays, and it can happen in a heartbeat. This, and, and these, I mean, that's, I hate to say it, but that's football. You need to make plays. I mean, yeah. it's always about making plays, both offensive, defensively, and special teams. I'm not saying anything special here. Uh, we all know that uh, when you have emotions involved, you don't pay attention to those things. And not that I won't be emotionally involved in the game, of course I will. But when you really look at it, it comes down to making plays. I've always said that. There's no such thing as scoring too soon for any team. That means your defense has to come up and make a play uh, at any level uh, or your special teams making a play. It's never such thing as scoring too soon. What is the difference is not making a play. Exactly. Preventing a team to make a run. That's the difference. And it comes down sometimes your defense has to make a play, create a turnover, get a three and out. Uh, prevent a first down, whatever the case may be, uh, knock a pass away, you know, not get called for a defensive penalty, whatever the case may be, no extend drives. These are all killers in all football plays. And that's really what it comes down to real quick. Yes. Um, I was online uh, the other day mm-hmm. and uh, a bunch of uh, Alabama fans were getting up in arms and trying to say, Oh, Ohio State just don't want to play us. They want to postpone the game and all this crap. And, and I, I starkly said, uh, basically, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm sitting back here laughing at Alabama fans getting their panties in a box. Didn't quite say it like that, but basically, I said it, this is hysterical watching Alabama fans, you know, stumble yeah. all over themselves. And uh, in the process, I got in a little conversation online with a uh, a Twitter uh, follower or whatever you want to call him. Mm-hmm. Um, his the Greg MB, the Greg underscore MB. Uh, anyways. We had a nice conversation. We had a lot of fun going back yeah. and forth. And one of the things he, uh, you know, tried to hit us on is our podcast. And he put a big yawn. And I, and I teased yeah. him. I said, oh, hey, thanks for listening. That's yeah, uh, right. <laughs> and, well, sure enough, he ended up, uh, I, I sent him the link. And he did listen to our, our previous podcast and uh, gave us a, a, a nice online review of uh, the Bill Walton a conversation that we, you and I had. All right, good. And uh, if if Greg is listening, I want to uh, send out my, uh, hey, thanks for listening. Like I tell everybody very, very often, tell your family, friends, and enemies as we help grow Radio MVP. I, I warned them, we're a Northeast Ohio podcast, so understand that going into it. You don't, you're not going to get all this national stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. 
uh, or unless it is necessary. Well, sometimes I go international. Let's be honest. I do. Uh, <laughs> but speaking of, yeah, go ahead. Speaking of Bill Walton, uh, I played Bill Walton bingo and won Bill Walton bingo before the game even tipped. <laughs> Free game winner. That's right. Free game, man. <laughs> uh, all right. Hey, real quick about basketball. Yes. Um, Newcastle season it will begin for my broadcast this Friday, or excuse me, this coming Tuesday. We were going to do it today. Unfortunately, we, they didn't have enough room in the uh, gymnasium to do it. Uh, James, by the way, right now is working out a way to get a video stream. So if this happens in the future, we, we're going to try to bring the games remotely. Oh, so, that's awesome. Yeah, we're going to work on that. And I think that's going to happen, to be honest with you. If we can get the okay from uh, WKST, we will be doing that. And I'm looking forward to it. And as a side note, I didn't mention at the beginning, James is on the podcast. He will be coming on shortly talking about a preview uh, about our upcoming season covering uh, the Red Hurricane, which will be our fourth season together, Anthony. And it's it, like I said many times, I do many great things in sports and I've done, you know, sports talk shows and, and that, but this is my favorite. I absolutely, and basketball was never my favorite sport, but I absolutely love this program. And uh, for, for someone who doesn't even live in that city, just the way they handle everything first class is just phenomenal. And I am so blessed uh, to have this opportunity. And I know darn well, I got the blessings of uh, a Shashi who had that seat for many years. Uh, and James and I are doing our best to uh, carry on his trip. A lot of fun. Uh, what a, what a uh, like I said, I can't wait. Uh, we're going to start up again Tuesday. I get to go 90 minutes. I get to go south of Pittsburgh to do a game. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. That's going to be exciting. Can't wait, huh? It's going to bring back memories of when I used to have to go to uh, Titusville and Oil City, which was 90 minutes away and stuff like that. So, ah. Uh, yeah, you got to take the good with the bad. And, and, hey, at and least it's games, really right? Yeah, yeah, I'm not concerned. I've never, you know, it's not really about making money for me as much as it's bringing the games to an audience. And if I break even, I'm happy. If I make a few bucks along the way, uh, I've I've had both ups and downs in my at this stage of my life, you know, almost 54 years old. So I really just don't care. <laughs> but I wanted to send a, a little uh, shout out if he's listening uh, this far into the podcast. I appreciate it. And uh, to anybody out there, as always, tell your family, friends, and enemies as we continue to grow Radio MD. Uh, really simple there. Uh, obviously, uh, the Browns situation, uh, playing the Steelers again this week, COVID all over the place, losing the head coach, losing their starting guard, uh, so many other players in and out of the lineup because of it, plus injuries. It's an uphill battle. They just had their first practice and the only practice of the week today. So uh, they'll probably have a, a walkthrough if possible tomorrow, if they're allowed. And then Sunday night on uh, national TV. So uh, we'll see what happens. Um, they made the playoffs. They won 11 games this year. This team never won 11 games. It took them five years to win 11 games at one time. So come on, <laughs> I'll take the, I'll take the victories where I can. And you know what? Miracles do happen in sports. And uh, it will be a hell of a story. And oh my God, how much fun will you ha will have with our Steelers fans if the Browns could pull off this miracle victory? Yeah, it's it's definitely an uphill battle. And you know, it's funny because we talked about this a couple weeks ago. What happens if this year happens in the playoffs? And well, uh, 
my last opinion, and I'm not trying to say it, the NFL should not have played 16 games. They played 16 games because they wanted to get the money, and that's what they cared about. Um, I would have played a 12, 13-game schedule and then had flexibility to push back and move around games, have flexibility to come playoff time, because you want the playoffs to be where everybody's at full strength or close to full strength as possible. And unfortunately, uh, they're not going to be at full strength. And uh, it it's going to be – it's going to be an uphill climb um, for the Browns on Sunday night. You know what it's going to come down to is the offensive and defensive lines for the Browns. The offensive yep. line will be patched together. Defensive line has to play the game of their lifetime. Miles Garrett is going to have to play out of his mind good. Um, you're, you're, you're down Olivier uh, Vernon because of his, his torn Achilles injury. So, uh, like I said, Ben Roethlisberger will be at quarterback. We have no defensive backs. And they're all going to have COVID. So, um, yeah, like I said, it's going to be a miracle. Miracles do happen in sports. Uh, anything is possible. I'm not optimistic. Uh, more optimistic about the Buckeyes when we talk about football. And uh, hopefully uh, Saturday or Sunday and Monday will be a phenomenal back-to-back uh, -back days here in Northeast Ohio and uh, throughout the state. That's about, you know, I know we're short on time here, Anthony, but that's about everything in a nutshell real quick. I think Monday is going to be very special. I'm just going to leave it there. Uh, Me too. You know, hey, and I don't root against the Buckeyes. Simple as that. I, th um, I think Monday is going to be very special. It will be a, a great story. Um, and I think this everybody needs a great story this time of the year, especially with everything You aren't happening. kidding. And if we can be distracted uh, this weekend with the NFL and Monday night with college football, it would be phenomenal. And I'll say it again. College football on a Monday night championship game is the stupidest thing in the world. It's awful. It you is know, completely and, stupid. And it's because the NFL plays Saturday and Sunday now. And now they have three games on both. So, you know, you just don't have a chance to put that in at prime time. However, if the NFL would go to an automatic buy yep. before the first round of the playoffs in the future, you can move this game to a Saturday night where it belongs. And the audience would be outrageous. I don't care what it, you think. It would be play. insane. Oh, my God. It, it may be bigger than the Super Bowl. I swear to God, I think it could be. Uh, Tim, it, it, you're going to lose a lot of the audience for people who have, you know, the teams or the fans of the of non-Ohio State or Alabama fans, they're going to tune out at halftime when they have to go to bed or something like that. Yeah. Um, well, so I think a lot of people are going to be uh, kind of with drowsy eyes on Tuesday. Or oh, yes. On Tuesday. Yep. And, um, hey. We'll all, we'll all suffer through it if it's worth it. That's right. We've done it before. We'll do it again. You are and, not kidding uh, at all, and uh, I think it's going to be worth it. All right. So with that, Anthony, let's uh, wrap this uh, part of the podcast up. Uh, James Dawson coming up with you with me right now here on Radio MVP as we preview the 2021 Red Hurricane basketball season. Welcome back to Radio MVP Sports Podcast, episode 127. And today's guest is none other than my basketball broadcasting partner and good friend, James Dotson, who, of course, has been on the podcast many times, not just for Indy, car racing, and NFL, fantasy, you name it. He's done it all with us. We're happy to bring him back. And we're going to talk Newcastle Red Hurricane Basketball and uh, I'm kind of excited about uh, getting back into the gymnasium. Might be just you and I, but I'm hoping we get back in soon. 
Well, hopefully, Tim, and I'll tell you what, I mean, we, we have uh, talked before the fact of uh, things that we see online of a lot of, you know, road crews trying to do broadcasts via video and uh, doing radio broadcasts by watching uh, from uh, from afar. Right. It might it might have to come down to that. And, you know, if so, I'm, I'm, we're up for the challenge. We're ready to do it. But uh, I'm very excited to see what this uh, what this 2021 season will do. Uh, for the Newcastle Red Hurricane. First time uh, in the four years we've been here that uh, they are not coming off of a WPL championship. So uh, they're going to be out for blood. Yeah, and it's going to be an interesting year. Uh, obviously, they played one game in December before uh, Pennsylvania had to shut down for uh, athletics for about two, three weeks. And now they are wrapping back up. And uh, I believe play begins this Friday. We scheduled the game, but we're unable to uh, broadcast because of uh, limited numbers allowed in the gym. Yeah, understandable. Uh, very understandable. And uh, West Allegheny was very apologetic uh, about the fact that, you know, we, we, we simply can't accommodate you. And that's, you know, something that uh, athletic directors and programs don't want to have to tell uh, the media outlets that want to come and, uh, and support all the teams. But uh, in the end of the day, it's you got to do what's right for, uh, for safety measures and, uh, it's going to be like that all year. It's going to be very uh, tough for, for media to be able to uh, get in there because first and foremost, it needs to be obviously team, medical personnel, and parents. Those should come first. Um, obviously, we'd love to be there to be able to uh, help support the athletes and support those who can't be in attendance. But, um, you know, the, these uh, schools have specific numbers they have to adhere to, and they want to get as many of their fans in there first. And I, I completely uh, understand that. And it is going to be chaotic. Even that first game for Newcastle was uh, chaotic. It was originally supposed to be uh, a game against Sharon on Friday and Snow Rocks on Saturday. Um, the Sharon game ended up uh, being canceled. Sharon had positive cases. They shut down all athletics uh, before the state of Pennsylvania did. Uh, they were trying to move the Snow Rocks game up uh, but the Snow Rocks uh, already had a Friday game scheduled. Uh, ended up that that game got uh, shuffled around. They thought they had Snow Rocks. They didn't. Then they get Kennedy Catholic, uh, a powerhouse who uh, is a small division size, who has won state championships in the highest classification uh, as recently as two years ago. Um, so obviously a very talented team. That game was on, then it was off, and then it was on again. They finally did get it to uh, happen on Friday night and got it in under the deadline and an impressive start and uh, 89 to 71 victory uh, against the golden Eagles of Kennedy Catholic, a, a real fun start to a year and a lot of familiar names uh, on that score sheet again for the Canes. Yeah. And uh, not surprising uh, with the coaching staff of Ralph Blundo and, and crew that they're, they're prepared for the season. I'm curious. Uh, you had a chance to talk to coach Blundo. I have not yet. Um, how is, I mean, this has been a really distressing, change in uh preparation for a season that he's ever really came across before uh, obviously there was no summer camps there was no uh any way to even get young kids involved and stuff like that and then you get into the season and it's still you know you're dealing with things i mean we got we were so fortunate last year james that i mean it, call it fortunate or unfortunate newcastle mm -hmm. season ended that next weekend or I think on a Tuesday on, on Friday, all the games were canceled. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the team they lost to Hickory was easily the, the state champion uh, favorite yeah. and they never had a chance to complete that run. But uh, it, talking to coach Blundo, yeah, it's the fact that, you know, the summer camp, they normally get in the summer and fall up to 40 games being played. They got maybe 10 to 12 at the most. Um, so that right there is where you have the 
development of a lot of the young players. You get a lot of the chemistry going on. Didn't happen at all this year. So um, how do you adjust with that? The one good thing about uh, this team is the fact that you have four starters back from a year ago and you have another three uh, uh, who came off the bench last year who are letter winners who are part of the fray again this year. So it's still a very young team um, that has a lot of experience. And he, he put it very uh, straightforward, like our inexperience last year really hurt us, but that's going to help us this year because we're ahead of the game compared to a lot of schools that had lots of graduating seniors. So, you know, you have Sheldon Cox and a senior who uh, is approaching the thousand point mark. He's joined uh, by Donnie Kate, a first year starter. Those are the two seniors that are going to really lead the group as well as a uh, uh, leading score from a year ago, Mike Wells, a junior, Mike Graham, uh, the point guard back for uh, his third year as a, as a starter and Isaiah Boyce, the sharpshooter uh, rounding out the uh, starting five, but you got guys like Jonathan Anderson coming off the bench. Uh, Andre Jackson had lots of minutes off the bench and some guys who we saw a lot in the JV game who got some quality minutes early on uh, in the game against Kennedy Catholic and showed that they can be a force down low. That's uh, Johnny Johnson and Kamari Perkins. So lots of names that are familiar uh, to Canes fans, which is going to be a, a lot of fun to see what this team can do. Every year we talk to him, Tim, we talk to Coach Blundo, and he says, you know, hey, we're, we're, we're okay, you know, we're, we're growing, we're getting better, you know, very much downplays uh, what, right, he, right. what his team is. First thing he said to me uh, this year when I talked to him, he said, we got a good chance to be really good this year. To me, that's saying we're a darn good team. If, if Coach Blundo says we got a chance to be all right, that means that we are a darn good basketball team. And uh, tell you what, from what we saw in that first game, there is a lot of potential for the Newcastle Red Hurricane this year, moving up a classification too, by the way. That's what I wanted to get into a little bit is talk about the classification move. Uh, some of the old schools that we were so used to seeing are now uh, will, will stay where they are while young, our uh, Newcastle moves up to uh, four. Talk about uh, some of the, the schools that they'll be facing, like West Allegheny on Friday and uh, some of the other schools. Well, uh, to, to move, honestly, that was the most difficult by far classification, uh, the Section 2 of Class 4A. Quaker Valley, perennial power, you know, the, the Beaver uh, was honestly in the down years that we've seen them, but you throw in an Ambridge team that uh, was up and coming, a lot of uh, big, strong bodies in that team, in that uh classification. Uh, Central Valley missed the playoffs in the last two years, uh, and they're easily one of the top five teams uh, in all of Class 4A. But you move up into this Class 5A, and uh, you just look at some of the teams. Chartier's Valley is a preseason ranked team. Uh, they have a Division One recruit in Braden Reynolds, uh, 20 points per game a year ago. But uh, opposite of Newcastle, he's the only main starter returning uh, for Chartier's Valley. That should be the, uh, the big issue to look at there. But you have schools that have done uh, business recently. Moon is going to be one. Uh, Moon's had a really good program uh, in class 4A and 5A uh, for the last three or four years. I'm now back up in uh, class 5A. Uh, I, I really watch for what the Moon Tigers can be. I think they're going to be one of the top uh, maybe dark horses just because of, uh, of how good of a job uh, that their coaching staff has done over the years for sure. But West Allegheny's a fight. Um, uh, Trinity mentioned Chartiers Valley, uh, South Fayette. That's one of the big things too. Yeah. Trinity, South Fayette, those are all south of Pittsburgh. So it's also a, you know, it's almost like the Parkway Conference in football. It's uh, going to be a lot of long trips uh, up uh, 376 uh, or down 376, I should say, uh, for Newcastle. And it's going to be it's going to be tough just because of that. Uh, and obviously, new opponents, but that also means uh, a chance for maybe some non-section games uh, that the Canes can schedule against some of those powerhouses. They have. Uh, 
uh, a game against Aliquippa set up. Lincoln Park, who took Newcastle's place in that Class 4A, uh, that's on the non-conference schedule. Uh, Bell Vernon, the team that Newcastle lost in the playoffs last year. So you know what Coach Blundell is going to do. He's going to get as many of those top-tier opponents uh, as he can in those non-section games. And uh, something that we've seen a little bit up north of us here uh, in Western PA the uh, open playoff format sounds like that's what the WPIL is going to do. Anybody who wants to be in the playoffs is in the playoffs. So there's no harm in scheduling some extra games and scheduling them early, get these kids out on the court uh, as much as possible. Yeah. You know what? That open playoffs makes a lot of sense. It just, because it's such a unique season to begin with. And there are so many challenges that each school is going to face. Some will face others, more challenges than others and, and so forth. So why don't you let them all play in the tournament style and, uh, you know, see if you can, you know, create an atmosphere where everyone's excited about being, have the opportunity to play for a championship. Oh, absolutely. And I wonder with that too, if you get more games between teams in the same classification, but in different sections, I mean, I look at Penn Hills as a, a great team that could come up. Um, they got three or four guys back who are, uh, who were starters from a year ago. Uh, for the Penn Hills team or the two teams that played for the championship last year. Uh, Mars, uh, always a perennial power. Uh, they have three uh, all-section players back from a year ago. Laura Highlands, a team that came out of nowhere last year with a freshman point guard, now a sophomore, Ronnie Gallagher. He was one of the top in the entire district. Um, he's already got uh, offers uh, from last year as a freshman, offers for both football and basketball, both at Pitt and Penn State and many other uh, schools. So uh, there's lots of talent throughout uh, the sections here in class 5A. And I think getting some of those uh, teams on your schedule early can actually make a difference too in how uh, seeding ends up happening. So if you think you can get one of these top tier teams to come play you uh, on one of these off days, man, I'd go for it. Oh yeah. Now there's just ups, upswing to everything there. There's just so much value, not just playing the game, but if you do happen to come up on top, uh, then like you said, open seating, you can get one of the top tier seatings. You would love to be in a top four scenario, you know, where you probably would have a, um, a more favorable bracket, let's say, than if you were in the bottom four or the, the bottom eight of a bracket. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I think with that, too, you're going to have a lot of games in a condensed timeline. I mean, section games for most of the district were supposed to start before Christmas. Uh, Newcastle was supposed to start on uh, Tuesday right after New Year's. That game has been postponed uh, because all the teams need to get their practice days in. Um, but you have so many extra games now and section games for uh, for a lot of schools that need to be condensed in. So you're also going to need to have you know, some good depth. And, you know, that's something that maybe we haven't seen with the Newcastle team the last couple of years, only going maybe six, seven or eight deep at the most. We saw nine deep that were rotating in and out and all felt like they could play quality minutes at any time uh, throughout the course of the game. And that's something that uh, I think that depth we have not seen for uh, for Newcastle for sure in the last three or four years. I think they definitely have a chance to be able to put that to good use this year, especially when you have you just had two to three weeks of no practice and then you're going to have four days, and then right in the gym for a game, you know that conditioning is not going to be perfect by any stretch of the imagination. You're going to need to have bodies rotating in and out, and I think the Canes have the depth to be able to do that. Yeah, and there's no question. There's the challenge, and uh, that's going to be part of the coaching staff. And, you know, one thing, the thing I think that is an advantage for uh, Newcastle versus some, maybe some other schools, it's not just the coaching staff, but the culture that they bring to their coaching and to the program each year. Uh you know, that is, you know, the expectations are there, the, the, the need to work hard is emphasized, and, uh, 
you know, and it's led by Coach Blundo. And I always said the culture that he creates for his program is part of the reasons why they're so successful every year. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things that was missed in, in terms of the chemistry when you had a lot of new starters, a lot of young starters, you didn't see that typical pressure defense uh, that Newcastle played. And I think a lot of it, too, was the fact that you had common section opponents who were used to it, knew what to do to prepare. And almost every team that we saw Newcastle play last year, Tim, was very senior laden. So because of that, you know, you had experience against the relative youth of Newcastle didn't exactly go in their favor. Now you look at it this year when you have a brand new set of opponents, a team that has a lot of uh, a whole year to be able to gel together. That pressure defense is right there. That 22 turnovers forced uh, against Kennedy Catholic, a lot of, you know, basket, steal, basket, steal, basket, seven points in about 15 seconds. You, you didn't see that a lot at all last year. Um, I, I think that's going to be really fun to uh, to watch, and it's going to keep you on your toes after every basket. For, uh, waiting I for look that forward next to that. <laughs> oh, yes. You know, I'll be honest, uh, you know, and this is just, you know, us being broadcasters. Uh, my last game was in November for football, and don't get me wrong, had a great football season, had a longer football season than I expected, and uh, we covered two teams, and one of them got to the state finals, but Here's uh, I'm so used to going from one sport right into basketball. And this year we've had this seven, eight week period of uh, uh, inactive. And I'm like, wow, this is weird. You know, I'm like on a Tuesday evening, I'm like thinking, hmm, where would I be right now if things weren't the way they are, you know, and uh, or I know I'd be in my car for going about 90 minutes <sighs> away now, but you know, hey, yeah. I don't mind. I've done it before. You know, that's the funny thing uh, between you. When I uh, worked for Forever the first time, uh, I was doing games up in Oil City and Franklin and uh, and uh, Meadville and that area. So, I mean, I used to go up, you know, 19 and all that uh, all day long. So instead of going uh, uh, now, I'm just going south versus going north. So it's no big well, deal. Now hopefully uh, you're under the mileage on your lease there, Tim. That's all I got. You know what? <laughs> Luckily, I am. That's a different story, but yeah, I am very much under lease. But that, that's a totally well, different the, story. Maybe that's the beauty of uh, of the pandemic, right there. Give us a, the mileage down low. But I mean, the, the, I mean, talk about mileage. The, these canes, you know, a lot of juniors who have mileage, a lot of uh, time starting already. Yeah. And you know, one of the things, Tim, that I'm really anxious to look at is uh, the point guard, Michael Grant. I mean, he's run the offense since he was a freshman. He's done so much. Um, last year, he averaged uh, four and a half points per game. Last year, he had two made three-pointers all season long. Remember, right. he as a freshman hit one of the big three-pointers in the WPL championship. Exactly. Couldn't find a shot at all last year. First thing, it wasn't one of the – it wasn't Coach Blundo. It wasn't one of the players. It wasn't one of the assistants. It was actually the scorekeeper. Uh, as we're walking into the building for that first game against Kennedy Catholic, comes to me and says, you watch. Graham's got a shot now. Like, all right, let's see. First shot, steps into it rattles in and out next shot splash next shot splash he made more three-pointers in the first uh first half than he had all of last season yeah. a and career jim high rat. 17 points yes of jim rat and doing i mean to get a point guard who can shoot like that i mean that that's Huge. what made the canes great uh all the way through in, in the late 90s especially you think of a Eddie Pegley and company, um, what, what he did with that team that won three straight uh, WPL titles. That's what Michael Graham looked like to be able to hit the outside shot. Now the defense comes out to him. 
he can get to a hole at any point. We saw that when they were having to back off him, he could get to the rack at will. Now when they have to come out and get a hand in the face, look out. That's going to be a lot of fun. And to go with that 17 points, 10 assists as well, still being the point guard. I'm, I was real impressed with how the junior played. Yeah, you know, I think you hit something there because, uh, as you mentioned, this team has a lot of experience, um, you know, with uh, young players that came up, um, you know, Michael Wells and Michael Graham, both being, you know, freshmen that were getting significant time uh, a couple of years back. And then last year, uh, you know, they had a, I want to I don't say a subpar year, maybe a growth year as a team because it was a young team. And they needed it to grow as a guy. I think if anything, what happened last year may be the fact. Oh, man. You have your two biggest scorers. And really, it felt like they had a quiet night out there on the court. And uh, it was uh, Graham and uh, Boyce who were really doing the majority of the scoring. And you got to throw in the fifth starter, too. Donnie Cade um, came off the bench a lot last year. He has grown in many ways, uh, both as a player and just in height and and, uh, stature. A real strong, you saw him make great plays uh, on the football field for the Canes this year. Uh, team high seven rebounds. He's uh, he's going to be a force uh, on the rebounding and on the defensive end. Uh, you know, the, the fan favorite, Donnie Cade, it's uh, tough not to like the, the tough grit that he brings every time he's out on the court. Oh, yeah. Well, and we were fortunate enough to watch him play in the junior varsity level his first two years uh, in the program and then have that last year, have that opportunity to get some significant time coming off the bench and starting at different points in the season and to see his continued growth and uh, his uh, value to uh, this uh, this Red Hurricane team. is It's really fun to watch. I mean, that's to me. Players like Donnie K, those are the ones that you, you, know, you cheer for them all, but you get a special little, you know, uh, thought like this, this. This is fun to watch a young man work so hard and see his hard work pay off. Oh, absolutely. And uh, you can say that about so many of the players yes. uh, on any team, but on this roster, especially. And, you know, again, maybe the one downfall of this Kings team, you would say, like normal years would be what kind of size do they have down low. Uh, Michael Wells at 6'3", 6'4", is the uh, – the tallest guy on the, on the uh, starting lineup, but he and Sheldon Cox both play more of a, uh, a role as a, you know, as a, a, as a four, as yeah. a wing, really. Yeah. Um, you got Johnny Johnson at six, five, Kamari Perkins, six, four, who come in and they had some great minutes down low. Perkins had a, a stretch where he had four rebounds and two blocks in about a 45 uh, second period, uh, including one that looked like it was a breakaway dunk and he sent it into the second row uh, on a block. So, uh, he's going to be a lot of fun to see what he can do uh, on both ends of the court for sure. And actually one other thing that I uh, just now thought about uh, Joe Anderson, somebody who we saw oh, a lot of freshman yes. last year, he's matured a lot. He looks a lot more in control with the ball when he's out there with Michael Graham, Anderson goes and runs the point. Michael Graham was running the high post against wow. his own defense, a point wow. guard in the high post. Think about that for a minute. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, that can be a watch. Yeah, you know what, and that's not surprising when you think about it, because we know how he can handle the ball and how he actually uh, can block people out and use the lane. That was one of his strengths the last few years, and Mourinho used the lane to to have people collapse on him, and then he got the ball dished out to somebody else. But we've seen him take it to the hole and make some plays uh, in the last couple of years. And like as you mentioned, now that he adds that outside game 
to his repertoire. I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him continue to grow and and, uh, and lead this team as a, uh, the point guard. As you mentioned uh, earlier, you know, as a freshman hitting that big three in the, in the WPIL uh, championship game, uh, that was, uh, everyone was like, no, 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 yes, yes, yes. What a great shot. <laughs> Uh, I, I remember vividly, we were sitting in the, uh, in the media room afterwards and somebody uh, went and asked the question, what would you think when Graham took, uh, took that shot? And uh, his media thought, I wasn't sure if he had made one all year. And we just stood in the back five. He'd only made five all year, but yeah. Hey, yeah. you know what can compared to last year, that was a, a good year in terms of outside shooting. Right. Uh, it, it's, it's going to be uh, really fun to see uh, again, a team that can light it up from outside. But as soon as you try to, uh, take the outside game away, then they're going to drive to the hole. And that's when it's going to be uh, real dangerous. And especially if they can uh, keep a defensive pressure where, uh, where we saw it in that first game, it it is the full package. And there's a reason why coach Blundo says we have a chance to be good. I love that thought. And it should be fun. You know, uh, we've talked about this many times, how blessed we are to be sitting in the seats that we have and, uh, you know, Shashi got to be looking down proud of not just his Red Hurricanes, but everything that goes on with this program. And man, I, I, I tell you everybody, I tell everybody this, and I mean this sincerely, uh, James, uh, if all the things I do outside uh, football and baseball or whatever uh, went away, the only one I hope that never does is this job, because I just I, love it. I just absolutely adore covering this team and, and this players and this coaching staff and this uh, community. Cause it's just, it's such a family atmosphere. And that starts, you know, with coach Blundo and his coaching staff and his players and his past players who come to every game. Yeah. And, and with that, uh, first off, I do have to say a uh, happy, happy birthday to our uh, dearly departed uh, Mark Shaw's as well. Um, was he on the fourth? It was yesterday. Yeah, uh, I thought he shared the birthday with my brother. That's what I thought. Yeah. That's what made me think about him the other day. Yeah, it's uh, and you know what? Every time I, I walk in and then talk to a uh, Bob Pia up the, uh, the the PA announcer there at Newcastle, it says the same thing. He he pulls out his old uh, uh, at that point MSA Sports and uh, WKST name tag Badge. that he had yeah. uh, that he had gotten from Shaws. He said, "I I wear I wear this every time we we go out to a game." I I do it for to remember yeah. him and uh, we, we talked a lot about the, exactly that how much he would enjoy watching uh, what this team uh, how the, how they've grown just from last season to this season and we've only seen the beginning uh, it's going to be fun not that everybody's back in the gym to get yeah. back into it I I just hope more than anything the fact that you've lost that two weeks of conditioning all across uh, the state and all across you know the, the country when you have schools with this um, how does that end up dealing with the you know effects of you know, will you have more injuries? Yes, that's just prone to happen uh, because of it. How do these teams be able to try to counteract that, get back into shape without rushing back uh, into playing game after game after game? Um, you know, Newcastle is always the most conditioned team, uh, just the way that they prepare. You know that they're going to you're, you're going to be hard pressed to find a team that is in better physical shape than they are. Uh, how does that two to three weeks off affect them and how does it affect everybody else? Uh, that can be very telling in these uh, first few games coming up across the district. Oh, there's no question. You know, I've, uh, I've said it on this podcast a lot of times and I don't know what the philosophy will be going forward, but my whole humble opinion is flexibility is the key. Don't be afraid to make changes. If you have to push a game back from a, a Friday to a Tuesday or Wednesday, then the following week. So do it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they're young kids. They're going to bounce back. And, uh, you know, we're going to have the opportunity. And playing back-to-back is not terrible. Play a game on a Saturday if you have to. Uh, you know, get the season in. Let these kids have the opportunity to play. And, uh, you know, we'll all be safe and do the right thing along the way. And I think we can have a, a successful season. But I hope those who are in charge at all level are flexible and not rigid. And I think the more flexible they'll be, the better off uh, the season will be for the entire state, not just, uh, uh, you know, Newcastle and uh, the, the section that they'll be uh, competing in. Yeah, absolutely. And that flexibility goes with us too. Okay. Okay. Game can't be played tonight. There was a possible, uh, uh, possible case. We're going to get the test back today. We'll look at tomorrow and pray, play to play tomorrow. Okay, cool. We'll be there. That's, uh, that's all we can do. And if, uh, if everybody can, you know, stay safe, follow the the right protocols, and then you're going to get all of these games in uh, without any difficulty. What, one thing I do want to mention, Tim, real quick is, um, the, the way it's set up right now, and this is definitely subject to change as the year goes along, but uh, as of now, the requirements uh, for players uh, to wear a mask or not wear a mask while they're playing uh, is completely up to the host school. So, oh, really? so if so right now, say, for example, if Newcastle required uh, all participants to wear a mask, say they were playing against just for a team we've been used to playing Quaker Valley. Quaker Valley doesn't require all their players to wear a mask. However, when they come to Newcastle, they would be forced to, to wear a mask. If their school determines that that is a, an unsafe environment for them and they don't want to do that or uh, they choose not to do that, that game is a no contest. So it's uh, it's not a forfeit. It's just the game so doesn't there, exist. Yeah, it exists. It comes off so, the schedule. Uh, sure. Right. So which also helps with this uh, open playoff situation. Uh, open tournament definitely uh, when those are going to bound to happen I'll tell you what the uh, the players for Kennedy Catholic uh, were wearing masks and by when I say they were wearing masks I mean they were on for about two seconds uh, of gameplay before they they had fallen down yeah it's gonna it was a a college game I watched last night that uh, both teams were required to wear masks within 10 seconds everything everything was below the nose it wasn't doing much of any good at at that point at all I I understand the thought process but for to require athletes to wear the mask is, I think, especially teams or athletic event like basketball, where you're moving all the time, hands are moving, and you're going to have body contact. There's just no way around it. Um, I think if the players are tested as much as possible, I'm not saying they have to be at the NFL level, but if the schools can, you know, accommodate them with the, even those, if the quick testing is available i don't even know the whole scenario but i think it's going to be very difficult to have to wear mask and play basketball just because of the nature of the sport um i get it and i want them to be safe and i want to be safe and you want to be safe and we want all uh participants to be safe but i just i think it's gonna be difficult to require um i i just yeah you know Hey, and, what, and what do you do come playoff time when one school was requiring a mask and the other school isn't? I right. mean, you, you can't say, well, that, I guess the game's not happening now. Um, yeah, so I mean, that, that, that'll be interesting once that happens in, uh, in come March. To put a, uh, you know, not an analogy, but a comparison to look at like what Ohio State's gone through. Um, obviously, the Big Ten had different requirements and different restrictions than any other conference in football, you know, in, in, in college football. 
But once you got to the uh, the CFS, you know, with the playoffs, it became a point where they had to reduce it to compete with the same level as the other conferences are, because they weren't going to increase their protocol. You were, had to match or come close to matching theirs for your school would have an opportunity to compete on the same level. I mean, it was not, you had to change it from 21 to 17 days, because if you did it, you, you potentially would never have any players available. And, you know, I get it. You know, yeah. you want an even fair playing field. Uh, I hope most schools use the, the best uh, directives necessary on that. And I just think it's going to be difficult for basketball players to do it. We'll see. Well, think about think about how many games we've seen, Tim, uh, over yeah. all these years where you have players who are down for a week because they get the flu. Yeah. I mean, if you're I mean, you're going to get that and the flu will run through a team quickly. Imagine what happens. You get one player in a basketball practice who uh, who, who tests positive for COVID-19. I mean, you're you're in danger of that entire team getting it. Yeah, so that's the problem. I mean, yeah. it's, you can't put them in a bubble. They're high school students. Uh, right. And you and you can't test them daily or even close to daily, especially right. no, in a lot just, of these, it's just not especially in a public, especially in public school, you don't have the funding to be able to right. do that. And you exactly. can't expect you can't expect parents to be able to go out and spend the money on their own either to be able to uh, I, and, and I get don't testing every that. other day yeah. to make sure your kid can play. So yeah. it, it, I mean, it is a catch twenty two. It is. It's it's a difficult scenario for everybody. And I'm not I don't know the correct answers, to be quite honest. Yeah. I just I you know, I just know the game that we're covering and I I think it'd be diff- it's a, a, difficult for players to play because, heck, you and I wear masks, you know, when we need to. And just think about having that on, running up and down and, and breathing hard, you know, and, and making a move and uh, going up for a, uh, a rebound or a block shot. And how many times does a hand hit a face? It does happen, you know. Awesome. <laughs> it, hey, it just, it's just the nature of the sport. Put a mask on right now and just jump straight up in the air. I have a feeling when you land, the mask is going to fall down. Yeah, well, I don't want to break my floor, so we're not going to do that. <laughs> oh, I miss you, Tim. I can't wait to get back on the court with you. I, 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 I've missed it too, uh, James. I can't wait to. It'll be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, hopefully next week we'll be back on the air together on, on KSD, WKST and uh, 1200. And we'll go from there. And, of course, uh, this year, it looks like we will be partnering with uh, Newcastle High School, correct? And their broadcast. Yeah, we're uh, hoping to be able to patch in with the uh, WKST uh, radio feed into the uh, Newcastle Hurricanes uh, streaming media page on Facebook. So uh, we actually had a, a bit of a test run for that uh, Kennedy Catholic game uh, on uh, Facebook Live. Uh, it wasn't the uh, it wasn't the ideal situation, but we made it work, and we're uh, we're ready to go for uh, for when the home games come back but the idea is uh that all the section games we'll have on wksd and uh all the home games should be paired along uh with uh, wksd paired with the facebook live video to go along with it so uh the uh, numbers definitely are are limited in terms of seating uh and we know how jam-packed that field house is you're not going to get close to uh, those numbers this year uh with the attendance restrictions that are uh, imposed across the state uh, so with that, we're glad to be able to give you both sights and sounds uh, of the canes here from the field house. Yeah, and uh, no guarantees here, but we're working on the idea of uh, putting the audio available on the on this podcast feed uh, after each game. And if we can get the okay to do that, we'll be doing that 
And this way, uh, anybody who did not hear the game or would like a copy of the game can just download it right here from Radio MVP. And if that works out, that'd be great. Um, might as well uh, make it available to as many people as possible. That's the way I look at it. Well, especially in, in this day and age, you know, everybody should have a chance. And we're, we're sad that, uh, especially if this team's going to be as good as we think they can be, uh, yeah. you know, you'd love to see that packed house uh, each and every night. We know that's It'll not be possible, weird. but. But it will be. It, it was very weird uh, on that Friday night to to yeah. see an empty empty crowd. And actually, they had to clear the gym between the girls and boys game. That was uh that was the eerie moment right there of seeing literally nobody in the stands and knowing that there was a game just twenty minutes what, away. James, I don't know what the uh, protocol in Pennsylvania is for the uh, JV games. Are they being played? Are they be playing only a half a game? Some t- here in Ohio are only playing uh, two quarter games. Uh, to uh, I guess to have less contact or protocol type thing. I'm not sure, but uh, some JV games are, are only two quarters here in Ohio. Is that a, an option in Pennsylvania this year? I haven't seen any JV games yet, honestly, Tim, because uh, basically we had the one day's worth of uh, games that were all tip off tournament style. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that would not surprise me if they have uh, either no JV game or like you said, maybe a limited game. Um, that wouldn't be a bad idea. The one thing I did notice was uh, the benches are all spaced out and everybody had assigned seating uh, yeah. on the bench, which was uh, definitely uh, something interesting and different. But uh, I, I even think that too, if you have two different events going on, a JV game and a varsity game, same thing kind of like we saw with that double header. It would not surprise me if they're forced to clear the gym uh, between the games yeah. uh, at that point as well. Yeah. So, and if that's the case, are you saying, okay, hey, JV parents are going to come for this game, and then we have to ask you to leave for the varsity parents to come in afterwards? Um, yeah, it, it's going to be there's going to be a lot of those kind of considerations, and I think that's definitely going into those numbers games, which makes it tough for for broadcast media like us. Um, and we we should be second fiddle compared to the parents, uh, obviously, but oh, yeah. it's going to be very very difficult for uh, for us to be able to get into uh, games like we normally would be able to. And hey, that's fine. We will make the best of it, and. Uh, when we're able to go to the games, trust me, we will be there because we want to get as much well, coverage uh, out there as we can. Exactly. And hopefully uh, the Newcastle fans will be able to uh, get as many games there as possible as allowed. And the those who are unfortunately shut out will bring the game to you like we do each and every game that we're, we're able to broadcast. I look forward to it, yeah. James. I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your evening. It's been fun chatting with you. I miss this. I can't wait to uh, get started again. Oh, for sure. And uh, if, uh, if we are officially off for Friday, I, uh, I propose we definitely do a, a bit of a watch party between the two of us watching the Canes take on West Allegheny in their, uh, in their opener on Friday. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll have to uh, plan that accordingly as uh, we, as the uh, week goes on so we can find out exactly what happens. For sure, for sure. And uh, th- thanks to, uh, again, real quick, everybody at Newcastle, especially uh, uh, Sammy Flora, for getting us set up each and every uh, game that we're going mm-hmm. and, and keeping us posted. Is, this is, it's going to be a revolving door of schedules uh, going on, and uh, they keep us updated, uh, he and Coach Blunda, with, uh, with all the updates as we go along. And uh, we'll try to t- we're going to try to keep up as best as we can, but we're going to have a lot of uh, – I have a feeling we have a lot of off-night games uh, coming out of nowhere, basically. Like, oh, hey, yeah. We're playing on Thursday, not Friday now. Let's go. I have a, uh, what's the right word? Whatever's necessary attitude. (laughs) Whatever it takes, sir. Whatever Whatever it it takes. takes. I will uh, jump in the car. 
as the old saying goes, you you used to hear the old Western have gun will travel. Yes, we have mics and we'll travel. <laughs> hey, and uh, as the Canes say every time before they break the huddle, we're in this together. Exactly. All right, James. Once again, thanks for uh, chiming in here, and I uh, cannot wait uh, for our seasons to begin covering uh, what I consider the the best privilege of my life, uh, the Red Hurricane from Newcastle and the running. The running canes. I can't wait to watch them going up and down the court. It's going to be a lot of fun. Can't get here quickly enough. I want to thank James Dotson again for coming on the podcast here this week, talking about Newcastle Red Hurricane basketball. Look forward to doing those games. We'll give you more information on each game as they happen this year. We'll try to also bring back Running with the Canes podcast where you can keep up throughout the season. And we have maybe more announcements as the season progress on that. My thanks to Anthony again for his contributions each week here on the podcast. And most of all to you for downloading and listening. Once again, uh, as I like to say, tell your family, friends, and enemies about Radio MVP as we continue to grow it. We appreciate your time and give us a holler either on Twitter or on the website RadioMVP.com. And don't forget to give us a rating on any platform that does that. All right, enough of my babbling. We'll talk to you soon right here on Radio MVP.